to front yards and to this, yes, <laughs> uh, to launch and to have a conversation about this gorgeous publication, Space Body Habit, produced by Ida and Enid. Before we get started, just want to acknowledge that we are, of course, on Aboriginal land, every step we take. Here, Gadigal Lunga country, and so pay respects to elders past, present, and the custodianship of the land. Um, sovereignty has never been ceded. And the questions of ownership and occupation and space are still very, very present, and I think really intersect with this, with this beautiful book. For some of you who maybe have a chance to have a look at the book, it's a quite amazing archive of conversations. So in a way, this is an ongoing Mm. Yeah. So my name is Sally. I am here, I guess, by invitation by, by these two, um, but I also play a little bit of a role in this space. I'm one of the, the janitors, which in bureaucratic speak might be a board member, uh, but here at Front Yard <laughs> we call ourselves janitors. There's many of us, 15 or so, that... Uh, kind of attend to the space. So my overalls were in the wash today, but usually I'd be wearing overalls because we clean the toilets and we garden and sometimes things get out of hand and <laughs> we bring together our resources and bring them back. But a front yard, of course, it's not just the janitors, it's everybody who is here and has come through and the traces of those uh, folks uh, and creatures and plants. So for those of you who have come back, come to front yard for the first time, welcome. For those of you who come back, welcome back. It's really great to be able to gather again. So, launching into the topic of the day, I think most of you here know Ira and Ilya in some capacity. Ira is a somatic practitioner, history of being a dancer, and also a curator. Uh, and I think something that I've observed over the many years of passing Ira is a real care for conversation, and this is very much a thread. Uh, and Ilya, a uh, visual artist, installation artist, yes. musician, uh, set designer, many things. And so they came together to produce this beautiful body of work. What I might do is just ask if you guys would like to introduce yourselves anything further to your introduction, and then I might read a little bit of an excerpt from the book to get us started. That's how we came together, how we met and started this project might be a way to introduce our collaboration. So we actually met a long time ago through a theatre performance and that we were both volunteering at and um, since that time we've just kept running into each other at various events and enjoyed the conversations we were happening every time and um, then last year Ira invited me to have a conversation for her podcast with Artemis Projects and that was really such a great experience um, to really dive into space and these topics of how we interact with our environment and yeah, I think that was a spark really for then taking this project further and thinking, well, there might be something we can explore together there. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess conversations with Elia since I met her have always been pleasant and fluid. And when we met originally at this performance, we never exchanged a number or we haven't kept in touch formally. But our paths intersected through many years. This has been 10 years ago that we um, first met very briefly and then the street would be the, the space where we would meet and, and pass paths, I guess. And yeah, conversation has really been this kind of glue that connected us, uh, for me at least. And so to suggest to Elia to go into a project that's all about conversation is, I think, very natural because it already felt, she already is seen as somebody that having conversations with would be enriching, I guess, and nourishing. Mm. Mm. Yes. Conversations, I feel less naturally to me I feel like I was guided a lot by era through this process because a lot of your practice is having conversation with other artists and 
taking time to consider questions that could develop the conversation further. So there was a sense at the start, at least for me, the sense of vulnerability in really opening up and thinking through ideas in the moment. And it's one thing when you're doing it, you know, at an exhibition opening, you're very relaxed and you've got a glass of wine. But I think when we brought it into this context, it was... Um, took a little bit to become comfortable with that process of conversation and because we were recording it as well. So uh, not that we had the intention of making a book at the time, but there was a bit more intentionality in the conversation. And, but, you know, we settled up into the process quite quickly, I feel. And, yeah, it's lovely. Beautiful. Thanks. Um, just be mindful that different people here might have different engagements with the book or different different engagements with the project. So I'm going to take the chance to read a little bit from the book just to provide a little bit of grounding for the conversation. So in the preface, a collaboration between dancer, somatic practitioner Ira Ferris and installation and visual artist, sonographer Ilya Bossard. This book is a transcription of conversations and experiences that unfolded during a two-week research residency at Front Yard, a multi-purpose creative space in Marrickville, Sydney. Set to explore the many ways we perceive or fail to perceive spaces, we led each other through a series of spatio-somatic and phenologically driven exercises that either revealed or challenged the way our bodies and minds relate to space. With the starting premise that the interaction with space is often habitual and perception of space often unconscious, we looked at ways to deepen and enhance our awareness of space and its impact on our day-to-day -day life. Through all these, we questioned whether focus on the visual sets a limit to perception and what happens if we shift our sense of space beyond the scene. Day zero, pre-residency meeting at Alpha. Questionnaire on front yard space as a memory. Ilya. What type of dwelling is Front Yard? Ida. It's a community space. Yeah, community. I'll just leave it there. It's just interesting to me also this word dwelling because I'm even considering how to translate that to dwell. Imagine you are in the space. What level are you on? Ground level. How many levels are there? One level. How many entrances are there? Two, can you describe the floor plan starting from where you mainly enter? Although actually three entrances now that I think about it. Um, so you come from the street and you open the gate door into the front yard, into the front garden, and there's a paved area in front of you. And then on your left there's a grassy area. There used to be hammocks there. There are trees, I believe two tall trees, maybe three. And then you walk to another gate, and on the side of that gate is a key under the lock. So you open the lock and you get a key and you open those gates. And I believe you're opening them towards your body, so towards the street. And then, oh, there are four entrances. Um, and then you come into this kind of like little terrace area where sometimes they just have their bikes or, I don't know, I think there are some magazines there, something like that. But it's a bit like a junk area, almost. But from there you open the door of the actual house of Front Yard as a building, and you enter this frontal room that is rectangular in shape. And as you enter on the left of your body, the whole wall is covered in windows that look onto the street and onto that first bit with the trees and the hammocks and the grass. And in that room, there is a long table, and this is where people gather. And sometimes there will be monthly dinners there that they organise. But if you are there on residency, this is where you can share space with other residents, if you want. And from there, from that room, if you went, as soon as you enter, if you went to your right, you would enter a small, narrow corridor, like a hallway. And on each side of that corridor, there is a room. And these are the residency rooms. One is a bit bigger and has a blue wall and a big table in it, and a bookshelf, and a window. And the other is smaller and feels kind of cramped. Honestly, I would prefer that the first one is given to us because I feel the other one is a bit hard to think in. 
and the next and next to the smaller ones also a toilet. If you keep going through this narrow corridor past those two rooms, you come to the end of the building and there is a library there. What is the total floor space in square metres? My God, I have no idea. 10 times 35, maybe. Ira to Ilya. This may be a bit of a hard question because it's hypothetical, but if you weren't given an induction by a disembodied voice, who happened to be me, and if we weren't given rules of how to use the space, would you attempt to use it in a different way? Mm, I don't know, that's hard to answer. My initial impression is that this whole building lends itself to be used in queer ways. I mean, just coming back to how there's evidence in every part of the space of the activities that can occur there. Like the front room is clearly a space for lots of people to come in. There are little signs everywhere saying to do this or that. You can use this or that. I feel it's all very self-explanatory. So perhaps there wouldn't be too much difference. Perhaps the induction has given more of an invitation into feeling welcome into each of the spaces. Like I didn't realise the whole open door policy, which is interesting. Maybe I wouldn't have noticed that if Sally hadn't mentioned it. How comfortable or uncomfortable do you feel here at the moment? I feel pretty comfortable. How do you know that you're feeling comfortable? That's exactly what I was trying to work out actually. Maybe it's something to do with just having set up our place in this space now. It's kind of like going to a cafe and getting a diary out or something and you sit in your chair and then you sort of establish that's your space. So yeah, perhaps there's that sort of boundary making or ownership involved. Not ownership, but you know what I mean? Listing the creatures we share the space with. By sight, pigeon, wattle bird, grasshopper, minor birds, small black flies, slaters, worms, wolf spider, small bee, tiny green fly, one millimeter, skink lizards, leaf wrapping spider, eater, Claire Cooper, another janitor, two other girls visiting front yard for lunch. Through sound, neighbours, aeroplanes, Sally's voice on the phone, pedestrians, construction workers, children at the daycare. Day one, Charts, initial impressions of the space. Day two, engages listening to the space and the body of space. Day three, exercises our space and time. Ilya invited Ira to walk 10 metres, beginning, I think, from somewhere here and ending, I think, somewhere towards the library. And then invited Ira to sit and to imagine 10 metres to the left, to the right, to the front, to the back, to the up and to the down. So what began as an initial encounter involved then eight days of contemplative instruction and engagement with the space and space the concept. So, now to open it up to you two. You've talked a little bit about meeting and the space of conversation, but how did you come to undertake this project as a project? And how did you come to undertake it at Front Yard? There was a call out at another residency space in October 2019. The space is critical part and it's devoted to dance residences. So putting my hat of a dancer on at that time, I 
suggested to Elia that we engage in this project, we shared the interest in space and the body and phenomenology of encounter with the space. I knew that. So we created a proposal for that space, which was from the beginning called Space Body Habit, but never changed. Mm. And we didn't get it. And I guess being at a certain age, you know, approaching 40, I learned by now that if one door doesn't open, you don't turn around and say, that's it, I'm not doing this. You find another way. And I knew Front Yard from before. I've done a residency here a couple of years ago, so... I knew that frontiers doors are open, not just physically, but also metaphorically. Most of us who want to do residency here can at some point. And I love that about Frontier, that there is no gatekeeping here and various projects are allowed. So yeah, we decided to change the plan and instead of being in a dance hall to try and do residency here and the space itself, which is relevant to this project defined where the project there took Mm -hmm. and it changed in some ways it changed the approach because not just the physical architecture of the space is completely different than having just one big hole with a black floor it also meant that we are coming from two different experiences to the space Mm -hmm. one was me coming from the experience of memory because I've been here before and been here quite a few times and Accidentally, Elia was somebody who was never here. So that really defined where we started. In the chapter that Sally was reading first, it was the gathering we had at Alpha, where where I live, and it was called Free Residency Meeting. And Elia guided me through this questionnaire that she's developed for another project, which was all about memory of a place and what we remember, and how we guide others through this filter of our own memories into their knowing of the space. So Elia's knowing of the space was through my memory, her initial knowing before she actually arrived here. Mm. Yeah. That was a question that we had to address as well really early on was um, because we knew that this induction was happening as well when we were coming to the space. And of course, Ira had been inducted into the space and introduced to it already. So for me, we were asking what will be my introduction into the space? Will it be through Ira's memories guiding me through the space? Should we do this questionnaire? And that's my first conception of what this place is. Or do we wait until we arrive and Sally's guiding us through the space? Or do I go in alone and have my own sort of initial connection with the space as well? But it was... An interesting question to ask because we realise that there are always these frameworks of perception that are constructed and shape how we perceive the spaces that we interact with. And um, yes, yeah, so anyway, we did decide to go with the with you guiding me through the space, and it was a nice introduction because that's what the residency sort of flowed into was guiding each other through different exercises within the space and different parts of the space. Mm. And so it seemed like a very natural trajectory to then use that approach to keep exploring the space, guiding each other through how to listen or seeing or taking time in different parts of the building. Mm. Mm. I think uh, as somebody who's quite familiar with the space, it was fascinating to read both your memories and your initial impressions earlier. And there's there's beautiful, the book is peppered with beautiful um, sketches that mark some of your thoughts. And there's a map that you drew from memory about what you thought, how you thought the space would be laid out, done before being here and then after. And even reading that piece out just now, Ira, no, that gate doesn't come out towards the street, does it? So you put these things forward uh, and they may or may not align with the physical physical space, but they kind of carry with us through our spaces all the time. Yeah, it's a failure of memory, basically, at that moment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but a beautiful failure. Um, I guess I'm curious... So you led each other through these exercises 
And one of the things you were quite curious about was unsettling sight uh, and also being really receptive to sound and other senses. And I'm curious about why this was important to you both. For me, it was really the guiding thing behind it all. Um, I think through my curatorial practice, I became conscious of how prevalent the, the vision is. It's the sense that's become the strongest and at the risk of actually losing the contact with all the other senses. As a dancer, I guess I'm quite aware of that, that there is also more than just this part of our body. There is so much more. And as a dancer, the touch and the, the sensation of the space around the, the skin of the body is something you're attuned to. And the sight separates us from the world, from, from everything that's around us, because I'm you know, looking at you and you're at a distance from me. But if I close my eyes and if I'm listening to your voice, your voice is so much closer to my body. And there is something environmentally urgent about that as well. Mm. Because if we are observing the world around us only through our eyes, we think that we are separate from the, the world around us, from the nature, from the space. If we close that sense and open other senses, such as touch or sound or taste, we feel more enmeshed with the world and we are one with the world. And I think that the sense of care develops through that. It's selfish in some way because we learn that we are interdependent with these things, that we are affected by whatever's happening around us and that we affect it. Mm. Um, so I think surprisingly what the whole process led us to, for me surprisingly at least, was the development of care through that. Mm. Mindfulness to spaces that we inhabit. And um, I mean, for me coming, my practice I'm very interested in because I build installations in exploring how we feel spaces more than we actually see them. So our body feels how to navigate a space through spatial cues and the social interactions we have with other people are framed by the spatial setups or structures that we're in. And so when you enter a space for the first time, there's something more than just recognising how to navigate a space. We often feel this sense of... Um, we call it like a spark or a charge, mm. like the space is charged in some way. And, you know, you get that feeling like if you walk into a space, you're either comfortable immediately or there's something that you, you know, you develop comfort over time. And so exploring how our senses can inform our interaction with space and how we learn a space and how we get to know a space is, yeah, very interesting just to go beyond that first visual impression that we often have. That idea of um, care really expands towards the end of the book. And when you talk about spark or charge, in the book you're having conversations around that with respect to the language and there may maybe some of the definitions around space and place. Did you want to talk a little bit more about those conversations between space and place and some of your things that came up through your work? Mm. Yeah. Space and place, um, space as somewhere that perhaps we haven't had the time to connect with and don't have the care for, empty spaces, spaces that exist but have no value or no meaning or no memory attached to them. And then places, of course, being somewhere that we hold within us as well as being the physical place that we can go to. So places like front yard, places like home. And one of the topic of conversation was how does space become place? And realising there's this sort of gradation scale where we enter a space, say a new space for the first time, and then as we revisit it again, it becomes a bit more of a place. And if we keep revisiting it and keep being affected by the space, but also perhaps affecting the space and holding it in our memories and within our bodies as well. Yeah, it becomes a place that becomes a part of us. And yes, yeah, so I guess it's this difference between thinking of spaces as just containers that we use to as a function and then spaces that also contain us and 
in that sense of places that are meaningful. We had a bit of a chat yesterday and um, Elia, you were saying that there are things that you are keen to almost revisit from the time or if there are things like exercises that you feel that you maybe you were present to them in a way that you want to shift now. And Ira was talking about now that the book is published and it really does archive eight days of conversation and it really invites walking alongside or listening alongside because you, you read at the pace of conversation uh, and the stutters and the thoughts and the laugh and the pauses. Um, and Ira, you were talking about making notes in the margins, how in some way this is very much an archive of a little seed that was planted but is still very much kind of taking root and growing. And I'm curious, maybe Ilya, to you, what are some of the things that you feel like you, you want to revisit or that have stayed with you in a kind of, stayed with you in your body? Well, there was a question towards the end of our residency which Ira posed and I think because of the current environment with COVID and everything's online, my reaction was to immediately think of like digital spaces. So I'll ask the question again because I'm interested also to pose this question to you, which was, um, do you think you could have a close friendship with someone whose home you have never seen? And so I Im immediately thought of how I've been interacting with people and meeting people online and not seeing them in the physical flesh and having seen just maybe a bit of their home through the screen and um, sometimes that can be a very, you know, you just throw your computer down wherever it's comfortable and other times it's quite a curated experience. You know, we design our backgrounds, to, our spaces um, to be whatever, professional or feel comfortable in what we're presenting within our home spaces. Um, but I feel like there's something missing in that conversation about how well can we get to know someone, have a close friendship with someone if we've never seen their home or never seen their space. Yes, I would like to explore that further. What do you think? Is there, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Sorry, I just yeah, threw yeah, you in the yeah, deep no, end. No, 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 <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I asked a question at a time because I felt that it's not possible we can know somebody tangentially or, you know, have acquaintances and maybe there is a gradation to friendship as well, you know, there are very strong friendships and there is, you know, building of the friendship. But I think eventually if your friend wouldn't invite you into their space, there would be something strange about that, obviously. Um, and I guess I asked the question to think about space or place and its connection to identity and who somebody is. And for me, spaces that people inhabit say so much about who they are, you know, how you choose to arrange the space and whether it's messy or clean or all these little things. And also then another thing is that there is something welcoming in, in others inviting them to your space. And very quickly, the word trust appeared in that conversation, that somebody entrusts you with seeing this intimate part of their selves without which I think yeah I think it, it would be unusual that you know somebody for years and years and they have never invited you to their space so mm. yeah that's Perhaps. did you have further thoughts about that um I mean just thinking I mean like meeting Sally as well we met on the phone through the induction here and then um coming across each other in a zoom meeting the other week and then now I'm meeting today and then we we're just, I was walking in the back garden and Sally, you were outside um, about to come in and we said hello and locked eyes, but I just didn't register that you were you. And it was just only until you came through into the front yard gate and I just, I think because you'd entered the space now, it sort of clicked for me. Oh, yes. But there's something about, you know, being in the physical space at that moment, it kind of made sense meeting each other and meeting each other anyway yeah there is some point of the book 
So in Edit Front Yard, there is a bit of an open door policy, which I think is referred to. So there are doors here and here, but you go further back and all the internal doors have been unhinged and put away. The idea being that the space is literally open, noise travels, and people can move between spaces and ideas can move between spaces. And there are a number of points in the book, you talk about liminal spaces and you use the doorway as a, as a kind of example and metaphor for liminal spaces. Um, and I'm wondering if Front Yard as well in a way is one of those kind of liminal spaces in the sense that it's not public, what well, is public, it's, it's not private, it's quite open. So what can happen in that, in that liminality or, or the doorway? Because in the book there's also some discomfort expressed about being in that liminality. There are some things that it affords. You can sit on the stoop or you have memories about in Italy, the shopkeepers hanging out the doorway. Mm. Um, but it's not a place that you... It's a place that asks questions and makes decisions, asks you to make decisions about what's, what's next. Uh, so I'm curious if you wanted to maybe expand on that idea of liminal, liminal spaces and how did you engage with liminal spaces here? Yeah, one of the exercises that we did on the very last day was speaking about, um, we spoke about doors quite a lot actually, I think because of the open door policy prompting that, but also doors are just interesting spaces and that they are the in-between of two spaces and often are places of pausing, but also places of action as well. Um, on the last day, the exercise that we did was choosing different architectural features so we chose doorways and windows ceilings and just wrote down all of our associations with that feature in that space and doors was very interesting to observe just how much is associated with doorways and what they encourage in terms of our relationship with the space and then also reading Bachelard's poetics of space as well and speaking about the yes the liminal space that a doorway is and um, thinking about okay well what is the door in our everyday life and it can be that place where you sit to have your lunch and you're not fully out into the world but you're sort of protected by your space behind you as well and the shopkeepers they're almost like they're standing in the doorway looking for a customer to come in but are not wanting to be completely separated from the world by being inside so there's not quite leaving the shop, but not being fully within it either. It's just waiting for something to happen. Yes, and it's, uh, yeah, recently had some friends over and I think because there were so many people in our small garden space, some friends just started sitting in the doorway between the inside and outside the kitchen and garden and it just became this sort of, like a barrier for people who had to pass through, but also like a nice social engagement, like you had to acknowledge them and negotiate the space in order to pass through that area. So there's yeah, something about, um, yes, movement through doorways, which is quite interesting too, but also the metaphorical sense of that as well, making decisions. Yeah, yeah I, I think Ellie will answer this question, but uh, in metaphoric sense, I guess... I mean, in surrealism, the doorway is always this... Um, it appears often in dreams. It's, it's between the wake state and the dream state, between possibilities, between the future and the past. And there was this moment in the book where we reflect how it's more, more likely that we will stop insecure when we are going in, because the future is more immediate on the entrance, because we can actually see... We have a potential of seeing what's in front of us. But when we are leaving, we'll probably be quicker in that action because what we are leaving to is actually not clear. So pausing at that threshold doesn't make a difference. We anyway can't see what's ahead of us. So it's the same space, physically it's the same space, but it's become so different depending on whether we are entering or leaving. Mm. There's a passage that you read out aloud which is recorded in the book from Abraham and he speaks about the um, if one could examine all of the doorways that we've opened and closed, it would tell the story of one's life. Yeah, it's, it's mm. a special art. Yeah, oh, it's from, a yeah, yeah. space, yes. Mm. 
and, and then it says, but is he who opens the doors and he who closes it the same person? I guess I'm curious uh, if you talked about maybe going through one of the exercises just so to, I guess, invite a collective body into feeling some of the things that Elia and Peter were experiencing during their time here, you know, to invite you into sound and perception as part of the conversation. But before shifting to that, I'm curious if anyone had any reflections on the book or the project or had any questions from the conversation so far. Guess what someone else had. about that idea that you guys were speaking about earlier, that whole, um, you know, I think this is actually in the book too, something about the dichotomy between place and space. And so can a space become a place, can a place become a space? And yeah, then the yeah. Um, and I'm curious to think of what, and I wonder if this is even where you would use the word liminality, but I was thinking about, you know, for instance, theatre spaces or music halls or uh, dance halls, for instance, places or spaces, and this is where my question comes up, that performances maybe take place in, for instance, and you might know the space, you might know that it exists, but every time you go there it's, it becomes something different, like it might have a set in it, there might be a different story or a ballet or whatever it is. So I wonder what you guys... Kind of, yeah, I don't know. Would you, would you use the word liminal to describe those spaces? And is it, is it through the um, action of what is happening on the stage or in the hall or whatever it is, does that then become a little place on its own? Anyway, that was just a thing that I was thinking of listening to you guys speak. That's a great thought. Yes, I think so. <laughs> but I love the layers of that as well. Like it's the, the space, the theatre that you maybe have been to before or haven't been to before and then within that there's your seating space and your relationship with the stage and your relationship to your fellow audience members and then as you sort of settle into your chair you know it becomes your place like this is your comfortable spot and you yes yeah, that marking of the boundaries and um and then of course viewing the space on the stage or if it's, yeah, I guess there's a world building there that becomes place or different places. Um, I mean, we talk a lot about that in theatre as well, like creating place and making really clear spatial decisions. So there's that sense of coherent place. Um, you know, if you've got a door over here and, it, and you can't see beyond the door, there's still, we were always going to imagine that there's a place beyond the door as well. So the space also extends beyond what we can see on the stage it's like it extends into imaginative spaces or places um, so yeah yeah it's interesting and then that word becomes so interchangeable as well like space or place and yeah it's not one or the other necessarily yeah that's where the body really comes in the space and the body are interrelated in that way and uh, there is another word that maybe I would use for this space, and it's called heterotopia. I think it's from Foucault. Those kind of uniform spaces that are the same until they become different in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I think yesterday we had a bit of a, a, sh a short conversation, and, and that's when I learned that, that this was a seed that existed in 2019, and with the idea of being present at Critical Path, at the drill hall, which is a very like, which is a, a dance practice space, a very different space to this, um, and I think you're reflecting on how much that shift in kind of what was what was possible shifted the outcome of, of this, the residency in the book, because critical half in in a way, the drill hall there is this gorgeous space, hugely vacant, front floors, black, like very much a black box situation, and, and the mm. idea of kind of performance or theatre or production and it's quite funny because you 
said one of your initial impressions was that lots of these spaces are, are active in here. And one of the thoughts around initially setting up this, this when Front Yard was kind of initially birthed, was to keep it quite spare and open and accessible so that people can come in and, and kind of make it without too many legacies. And one of Ilya's first reflections was like, oh, there's things everywhere that tell you what to do. You know, <laughs> not didactically per se, but mm. uh, little traces or little politics or little things like that. So that was a funny... Yeah, a sense of the people who come and go from this space because it's like, yeah, it's rich in the people who come through the community here. Whereas if we'd gone into just a sort of a blank canvas like theatre space, there's a sense of needing to perform with it and, and activate it ourselves and bring ourselves into the space um, without acknowledging the histories of other people who had necessarily come through there. Yeah, but then also to bump out. And the bump out, yeah. But arguably your traces are still there, but it, it's somehow wiped, mm. wiped clean. Mm. Fresh again, yeah. Yeah, restored. Yeah. Is there somebody else you had? If it's okay. Of course, please, um, please carry on. Just going back to your, um, your question about whether a, a friendship can be kind of strengthened by someone sharing their home with someone else. If, if someone's home I have to say all these thoughts that are shared are in flux and fluid as well so anything that we answer here or in the book is always open to revisit, to being revisited uh, within us as well so any answers that I'm giving they might change tomorrow um, but I still feel especially if somebody lives in that kind of space of unsafety that there's something extra trust opening or vulnerable when they invite you to that space because then they're inviting you in a space that has not been home for them, that is not polished, that is difficult for them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if somebody invited me in that kind of space, I would really feel that they have been extremely intimate to, to open their doors to something like that because these are the spaces that we usually that are usually shut from, from others. So even more so, I, I think that, that it would be more questionable how intimate somebody is becoming if they have arranged the space very neatly when you're coming in it. Because that's curated space, that's, that's heterotopic space, that's not actually, um, doesn't have a sense of belonging to you or it's, yeah, it's sanitized, I guess. Thanks, that's, that's a really lovely yeah. question to think about, yeah. Mm. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, very undeveloped thoughts. Thank you for the question and the thought, it's beautiful. But I was thinking maybe about community spaces as a safe place to gather and how we, I suppose, we um, assume different identities depending on the space that we're in as well. So perhaps there are... I was thinking about the local, you know, you're going to your local pub and you've got your local crew there or you see the people who go up there all the time and there's something, um, I don't know, about seeing them that feels familiar and safe and often these sort of places of leisure can be spaces to open up and feel comfortable being yourself within and maybe there's a way of getting to know people in that space. It's not their home, but it's a, it's a place where they feel safe. But, yeah. Found the book, the bookmark on first first go, which was amazing. But it reminds me of this little section in the book. Uh, it's from day three, talking about space or place, charged spaces. And Ira, you asked the question: Do rhythms create comfort? And Ilya, you respond well. Well, yes, very strongly. Uh, an era you respond, it's interesting because with people, rhythms create a sense of trust and therefore the sense of being able to relax. Like if there's some regularity in relationships, you can perhaps rely on them. 
rhythm creates that sense of reliability and trust in human connections. And then if you make an analogy to space, having that sense of rhythm in the space enables you to relax because it provides some regularity, some reliability. And I'm just thinking about this, this, this book very much charts relational space or explores relational space. And in a way, if the space isn't safe, maybe the relational space is the one, you know, by tending to the safety of the relational space might also feed into the, into the physical space and vice versa. Mm. But it's a, it's a gorgeous question. Mm. Other than affirmative yeses, Anyone's welcome to bark. That can be, <laughs> that's, that's, that can be a form of conversation. <laughs> there is only one, one thing I, I want to touch on before we open, open up. If you want to do an exercise, maybe maybe not. Maybe we're coming, coming up to time. We can keep having conversation for uh, it's we're coming to time. People are hungry, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> the thing with the exercises, they were really um, conducted, I guess, or, or performed or enacted. I don't know. These are all problematic words, actually. Um, <laughs> in a, but yeah, um, but there wasn't acting, so that's why I'm questioning that word. Um, <laughs> But they were done in a very intimate and quiet space that was very meditative for us. And it was just two of us, you know, very uh, open and devoted to the project. And when we gather in this kind of environment, you know, partly we are getting hungry, we want to interact with each other, we haven't seen each other for a few months. Mm. Um, the energies were very different. So to take us into the exercises that required it, you know, space and silence and patience is maybe, um, it, it's difficult, it's different, so I'm not, uh, I would suggest maybe we don't go through that process and, and if there are more questions, we open it to that, mm. uh, or if they're not, then we have some food. <laughs> and, um, but, but the exercises are there in the book. Mm. Um, so saying that just in case that you want to go through these exercises yourself or take others through them, is an invitation and the project was actually created with that in mind. I think very early on our intention was to create a workshop model for interaction mm. with spaces mm. and then it became a book that so the workshop doesn't need to be facilitated by me and Elia but could be facilitated by whoever has the book and also Nadia is here and I just want to on behalf of both of us, thank her because one of the exercises is your exercise that we guided each other through and then expanded on. So there are lots of knowledges that are in the book that are not ours. Mm. Many exercises are expansion of things that we learn from others. Mm. Uh, as I think everything we do is mm. uh, things that come to our minds that are informed by conversations that we had before with many other people. I actually had a question about that because I know from the perspective of seeing my exercise repeated in the book, like how different it was because it was a drawing game that I made up and was doing in public spaces that was like bigger sort of civic public spaces in, when I was travelling. And so then to see the instructions repeated in a much smaller, more domestic space, a space that was very different to the scale of the body because a lot of the, like, mm. the activity were about, you know, scale and distance. Mm. It was so fascinating because it felt very, you know, some of the outputs of it looked similar, but the way you discussed it, I love that you put such detailed discussion in after the um, activities, you know, about you know, what you thought and felt through it. And it was really fascinating for me to read that about that shift, total shift, like with that activity. Yeah. So I was wondering if there were any other um, ones that you had experiences, I guess, where it's like they, they, your translation from whatever the original uh, input that you'd gotten someone else and then into what it came into the book. Are there any other reflections you had on that process? I think for me probably the 10 metre exercise. So this exercise I asked Ira to walk 10 metres just to get a sense of how far that space is and then sitting in different parts of the building imagining yeah, a 
as you described before, 10 metres in different directions up and down behind. Because when I first did that exercise, it was just at home and I live in a small, very narrow terrace house and I was thinking about the neighbours across and so thinking 10 metres through that wall, I was like two houses over. Neighbours that I'd never met or really thought about before and it was just bizarre to kind of travel in that way into a space that I had never considered and not even been to. But um, then bringing that exercise here, being a larger space as well, often with 10 metres we were still within this structure and so... um, And then there were also similarities between, you know, thinking down 10 metres. In my home space, you know, it's a bit more... It's closer to the city, so I'm thinking, like, there's plumbing and draining and it goes out to the harbour. And then here it was much more earthy and thinking about the roots and the soils and just the, the difference in environment using the same kind of measure, but then just changing the space that you enact the exercise changes your relationship and understanding of that environment completely. Yeah, Yeah, Nadia's exercise really revealed to us something that started emerging from the beginning with closing the eyes on day one. Um, But with your exercise, Nadia, we at first realised how visually focused it was Mm. and then we realized the difference between the two of us because Elia's practice is uh, in uh, installation and visual mm-hmm. art and mine is very physical. So when she asked me to draw the space uh, and she was doing the same, she was uh, drawing the space from the above, like an architect, mm-hmm. and I was drawing it from here. So my space was not rectangle. It was, where does it feel that I'm being squashed by the wall? Where does it feel mm-hmm. that something's behind me? And so we encountered this uh, conversation about what is felt space as opposed to the physical space. Mm. And then as a continuation of that exercise of Nadia, we did another exercise, which, which was blind drawing of the space. Mm. And we closed our eyes. Obviously, that gets very messy on the paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just trying to sense the, the things through, through the body again, the sound becomes very strong as soon as you close your eyes. Um, temperature and light and if the window is open and feeling the breeze on your skin yeah you still have a very yeah i was surprised at how strong our sense of space was just through taking away that visual sense yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's so different there was in elliot's drawing a moment where she drew her hand which was this close to my body <laughs> on the drawing, although it was very far away and was much further away than her own feet were her to her body. Mm-hmm. So that sense that she is closer to me physically than she is to another part of her own body was it's just interesting how things how those boundaries fall apart. Mm-hmm. The, the physical we, we spoke about the body being space, meaning that our skin is the wall as well that mm-hmm. separates us from each other and from the environment around us and that's again what the vision as a sense makes so possible and as soon as we close that that skin expands and the space comes close to it Mm. there's um there's a couple of points where you you attentively engage in those senses one activity here you indeed Ilya I think with your nose Mm. So you're invited. You're invited. She was invited to travel down the corridor, leading with first the elbow, and then smell. And after those kind of things, there's always a period of explanation in the book. Like, oh, I didn't realize how 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 large the space was, or when my eyes were open, sound felt distant, but when my eyes were closed, the sound was. We were. It was together. It was mm. together. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think the conversation. This is this is part of the conversation. I, I just want to finish on this concept of boundary making and, and, and identity because quite early on, uh, after this, you're welcome to have a look. There's a blue room, and Annabelle is currently in residency in in this room, and that was the room that you were in, and, and it, your language to it shifted as the gradations of space shifted, and and it became kind of the room that has a blue wall. To, to the blue room, to kind of our room. And, and there's these fascinating um, threads talking about 
marking and boundaries and also possession and ownership. And I think towards the end of the book era, because you made a comment just before about care, and I think towards the end of the book, there's kind of a little bit of a full circle in the sense of that sense of ownership or, or imposition on the space feels a bit violent and a kind of humble coming to the space and, and questioning entrances and exits from the space. And I guess this book is both an entrance and an exit and a gift. And I'm curious just to, 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 to ask your reflections around those questions of ownership, which even very early on you were like, ownership but not quite, mm. you know, attachment but not quite. And separating from spaces as well, passing on ownership or you know, passing a space on as well. Yeah, sharing the space. Mm. Yeah, there was a point maybe towards the end of the residency era where you were commenting on how we came into the blue room and we didn't really acknowledge anyone who had come there before us and perhaps there was something of a, a violent entrance into the space and we were then thinking about when we take over spaces where someone else has just been and often you feel this sense of um, like if you're on public transport and you take a seat that someone's just been in and you can kind of feel the temperature of the seat is warm because someone was just there and so there's a really strong sense of stepping into someone else's space and it's not quite your own space or you know you're very aware that someone was just here and it's being passed on to you and um, but we didn't have that so much here because there was no one else here and so we came in with this I guess an assertiveness that we knew that that room was ours for the two weeks and then just taking a step back and thinking oh well no there was someone here just before us and I guess just considering how the space was occupied before we came to occupy it and um, as much as the space perhaps felt like our own room and we call it our own room at the end there was that need to detach from it and clean it and then pass it on to the next person who was coming in as well. Inevitably, questions of colonialism and conquering of space came in this discussion of um, just acknowledging that, and I'm sorry if I'm wrong in any of this, um, but for indigenous people, they don't speak about ownership, but custodianship of the space. And when they welcome us into the space, they acknowledge those who have come through that space before them and those who will come after. And in our cultures, we tend to forget about this lineage, not just with human kin, but animal kin as well. There is a chapter about sharing a space with an ant and how is this creature experiencing the space and how do we alter the space of this creature by us being there and whether we are the guests rather than it being a guest. So yeah, those different scales of, of perception of space and yeah. <laughs> I think there's a, that in that little section there's there's the question is like would the ant consider me either? You know, <laughs> uh, those questions of identity and perception again. Look, this is um, it's a gorgeous book. Uh, if you haven't yet had a chance, they're here. Um, there will be one in the library, uh, so people are welcome to to come. And, and there are some here if you want to take them home. But I just want to um, so just congratulate Ira and, and Ilya, just you know acknowledging the care and labour and slowness and attentiveness to harbouring this seed and watering it with such curiosity and openness. Uh, and you've really, by charting and archiving the conversations, you've really offered it a gift to other people uh, and into this space. From a, from a kind of front yard institutional sense. It's an incredible archive of a particular kind of time, which I think is just quite beautiful. But I um, also, but it's so multi-tendrilled and it will live in other places and other labels will live in other places. So just a huge congratulations. And uh, thank you for being in conversation today and for opening this space. And thank you for everyone for, for being here as well. Thank you. And thank you, Sally, for engaging so 
entirely. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, this is like, uh, it's actually very moving for me to see this because uh, the book is really, I mean, anything that we do as artists, I guess, especially is not, we don't do it for ourselves. This was always to share with others and mm. to continue those conversations that we started that Elia had this beautiful expression uh, to make ideas concrete in the way that is fluid. You said it on the phone yesterday and all these uh, thoughts are left in a fluid state as I said before to actually be expanded with others. One of our plans with the residency at the beginning was to actually have a part of the residency where we invite others. That never happened and it happened now. Um, but yeah, Thank you, Sally, so much for taking this time and being so thoughtful in, in your conversation. It means a lot to both of us to, to be able to explain it in that way. And we just have a tiny little gift for you. <laughs> oh. Um, just to say thank you. Because I tell it's a book. That's really sweet. Maybe I'll just thank finish you. with... Um, Quoting you, something you said yesterday was you were just saying, describing this book as being, it is an unfinished book and it is hopefully the beginning of many conversations and is open that way. Yeah, so continue on. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming. Thank you.